Welcome to Your Living Life Legacy Matters, powered by the Faith-Based Cause Initiative and our affiliates. We're very happy to have this time to fellowship with you and to uh, welcome in the uh, special month of women. We recognize that uh, International Women's Month, 8th of uh, March, is uh, upon us, and we have some exciting and very informative uh, guest to introduce you to you know before i do that i want to share with you after leaving this particular area uh, of the greater uh, southeast michigan region and particularly detroit michigan i had the opportunity to spend about 15 to 20 years on the uh, west coast upon coming back to my area uh, and particularly if those of you guys would uh, appreciate the landmark would be Mumford High School and that region would be all the way from the Wyoming area down to uh, Livinois and then from that particular uh, station uh, Hampton actually was my um, junior high and then from six mile to seven mile when I returned here my mother and I would uh, sort of go for drives and I would notice these little buildings they were like I, I didn't know what they were I thought they were uh, clinics or they, perhaps convenience stores but I would see a, a lot of them just sort of growing because I was coming back and forth from the um, Seattle Washington area to uh, the Detroit area assisting my family in uh, their development of the school uh, construction project but I was going back and forth and back and forth and I kept seeing these buildings expanding and I finally asked my mother I said well what are those things and she said uh, son those are dialysis centers I said hmm why are there so many she says well I, you know, that's just the need and so I was always perplexed about that particular um, a service until obviously my uh, uncle uh, Mac basically uh, had to go on dialysis and my father would take him and so um, as it would be uh, in our celebration of just just champion women within the community I had the pleasure uh, in my journeys back and forth to meet a particular individual that was taking the lead in the faith-based as well as the cause-based community and uh, she was actually uh, an individual that I really admired because she was always developing uh, uh, her herself in addition to her message and her commitment she's hosted uh, a radio and media show she's worked uh, in the really uh, depths of the community uh, on a high touch basis and so as we move into visual communication because of the pandemic I'm very happy not just to, to celebrate uh, Women's History Month but to celebrate this particular woman uh, for the fine work she's done in the community and she has some special things to share with all of us today especially as it relates to the overall health and wellness of our community so please join me in welcoming Dr. Jean Wright. Dr. Wright how are you today? Well, I'm good. I'm good, Carvel. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. My goodness. I tell you, it's an awesome pleasure to be here, and I'm very honored, very honored to be here today. Thank you. Well, I want you to share with the uh, listening audience a little bit about what I experienced coming back and forth from Seattle over the course of 20 years and the proliferation and expansion of the particular need for dialysis. Well, it's, it's very interesting because even, even in my own personal life, I, I was with my own physician for uh, more than 20 years. And I started over there at uh, Southfield and, and uh, Outer Drive. Um, 
And for more than 20 years, I went there, and down in the basement in the corner was a room. Nobody really knew what was going on in that room, and I would pass that room. I said, hmm, that's interesting. And I asked her when I began to study dialysis, I said, well, what's going on there? And she said, well, they're taking dialysis. Only they have about four chairs. Over time, within the last 10 years, there is a whole wing. If you, if you happen to be in the area of Auto Drive in the Southfield Expressway, you will see the Northwest uh, Dialysis Clinic. clinic. And it's, now it is a wing. And that, that, I mean, just on a personal level with me, seeing that develop was phenomenal. And I think I mentioned to you that uh, three years ago, I keyed in my uh, own address and I said, I want to know what's going on within a 10-mile radius of my house. And I found out that there were 16 dialysis clinics within a 10-mile radius of my house. And I said, oh, this is a lot. It's a lot. And then just past this past Monday, I said, what's going on now? And I keyed in the same information. There are 25. Oh, my goodness, doctor. There are 25 of them. Now, you think, and let's just look at these numbers. If you, okay. Each clinic, you, you, let's say, now, this is bare minimum. Let's say each clinic has... 30 patients and they do three shifts. So that's 90 patients a day. And each patient ordinarily goes three times a week, four hours each time. But most clinics are open five, seven, some seven days a week. And most clinics have way more than 30 patients. But right now we're looking at about 270, just with those numbers, 270 a week. Wow. Um, going through, uh, having their treatments. And every time they flip that switch, it's $3,500. And what I'm saying is that there is a lot of money exchanging hands. Yeah. A lot of money exchanging hands in this arena. Yeah. And then maybe that's why Warren Buffett decided that, okay, I'm going to invest in dialysis clinics. My. But it's, it's amazing that with African-American people, if you take seven of, of us, and just line up side by side. We have seven people lined up side by side. Okay. Pages 45 to 75. Four of us are going to be either in stage two or stage three of renal failure, of kidney failure. Four of us. Now, the kicker here is that they won't know it because there will be no symptoms. What I'm saying is that you can get to only 30% functioning in your kidneys with no symptoms. And so what goes on with at least two of them is that they move on to stage four and then stage five, and they're on dialysis or they need a transplant. So what stage, uh, Dr. Wright, would you say um, they would be at to transition to dialysis? Now, legally, the physician is, is obligated to recommend dialysis when their kidney functioning reaches 15%. 15%, and it's a value on your blood work called the GFR. GFR, you know, and it's, it's, it, it just kind of bothers me, really, because we know our blood pressure, we know our A1C, mm -hmm. we know our weight, we know our numbers. We need to get to know our GFR, because if we don't, I mean, because there's, there are no symptoms, and we're going to be sliding down that slippery slope if we don't. At 15%, the, the physician is legally obligated to begin speaking about dialysis and transplants and beginning acclimating a person to the possibility that they may need to go on dialysis. And so um, they can legally, I mean, if you become unconscious, 
um, and you're at 15 or below percent, they can legally wheel you off to the chair, mm-hmm. or if you're on the bed, and hook you up and run your blood because that's what the law in Michigan says that they can do. Wow. Well, you know, uh, when we think about March being Women's History Month, uh, we also ha- can coincide that with Kidney Awareness Month. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And we're telling anyone who will listen, get to know your numbers. I mean, we, we, we do so much, as much as we can, community health education, because we, we do not want people moving off that to that, uh, in that area there. And there are so many things that can be done to avoid kidney failure. And we, you, um, just, just thinking about lifestyle, and just because most of what goes on to push a, a person in that direction is lifestyle. Yes. Lifestyle, disease, medication, those three killers when it comes to the kidneys. Now, you know, I was uh, surprised to hear you mention that uh, 45 years of age, a person can be at risk. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And so since we love this Women's History Month, and we certainly are happy to make people aware of how they can live longer, and I just can only imagine the challenges that a person goes through having to go in for dialysis three times a week, the stress that it puts on their loved ones, their family members, if you would, caregivers. Uh, I remember my father, my brother, uh, Odell, would take turns uh, taking my Uncle Mac uh, to dialysis along with his son, Cyril. Uh, I never really knew what it was. And so when you mentioned to me about this being a uh, dialysis awareness month, I'm saying congratulations. Let's make sure that we make people aware as much as possible what's going on out there. Because to be honest with you, um, <laughs> Dr. Jean, I didn't know. And that's, that's the status here. We People just don't know, and, and they will say things that kind of let you know they don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. But it's so very important. It's so very important. And, and when you look at a person who has been diagnosed with uh, the end-stage renal failure, they're going to, if they are designated for dialysis, they're going to be on dialysis three times a week, four hours each time. We call it the death of a lifestyle. Now, may I ask, is that like forever? That's, well, now we never say never. Okay. But ordinarily, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to come off dialysis. Ordinarily, there's a young lady I'm thinking of now who came to our uh, support group last time, last month, and she, her GFR was 21. And so, and, and I thought, well, you know, well, maybe there's hope. But she went on and she decided that she was going to go on dialysis. I think she's an accountant. Well, she's not doing accounting work anymore because her, her, her lifestyle, now she's on dialysis three times a week, and the rigors of, of being on dialysis when it pertains to the human body is just devastating, devastating. When they come off that machine, they have little or no energy, little or no energy. So when you talk about the burden on the family, on the individual, him or herself, the burden is, is, is just, it, it's not good. Well, see, and so now uh, we are aware of what those little box buildings are in our communities. And now I guess uh, what we know is they're not little box buildings anymore. They're becoming entire wings. I, I can just visualize, Dr. Jean, when you said there were four. Mm-hmm. Four chairs. Mm-hmm. And in less than 10 years? Yes. 
now it's an entire wing. It's a of wing, building. and there are modules. You know, six chairs in each module. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, as I would probably want to share with um, our audience is that we certainly need to uh, further this discussion. But as we wrap down this or wrap up this particular session. Um, I want to see the light at the end of the tunnel, Dr. G. Can you tell me uh, prevention? Prevention, absolutely, absolutely. And that goes right along with lifestyle. And, and again, um, patient education mm -hmm. is, is key. That is key. And so those of us who, are, who know about it or who are in touch with someone who uh, is in this arena, we need to speak up, we need to speak loud, and we need to speak with cultural awareness. Okay. A lot of the materials that are in the community for us to read is in Greek. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, you know, communication is everything. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about prevention. But uh, before we uh, uh, do that, and uh, as we move forward in Women's uh, History Month, uh, I want to ask you if you could share one of your favorite, because, uh, you know, obviously I'm celebrating Dr. Jean Wright, because, oh again, uh, there's a lot of people that have good intentions. There's a lot of people often that offer prayers, and we, are, we accept all those types of things. But the work that you do, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that as well, because it's work that needs to be done and needs to be fueled by funding so that we can actually be able to address the need of first awareness, and then what we're going to talk about next is things that we can actually do to not get to that particular stage where you have to go through dialysis or get on that particular track because now we know it doesn't go away. So who would you want to share with us in this first session here? In terms of prevention? No, in terms, in terms of women's of, history. Oh, women's uh, history. Yeah. Okay. We'll come back and talk about prevention. Okay. Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. Now, you, you, when you think of her, you think of her putting that finger up and, and speaking with her hands and now, when she raises those eyebrows, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> you know there's something serious going on. Yes. Nancy Pelosi, and she says that one of the main things I, I want to provide is an example. Mm -hmm. She says, I want to provide an example for women. Somewhere, she says, there's a young woman who is looking at me, and she's looking at how I dress. She's looking at how I speak. She's looking at how I move and, and, and through the uh, process that I, that I go through. And she said, what I want to do for her and those like her, she said, someday she may be sitting in my seat. So what I want to do for her and women like her is to provide the very best example that I can. I want to give them what they might need to do what I'm doing. And she said, they said that I, um, I, I went through the glass ceiling. She said, I want you to know that ceiling was marble. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, was, it, was marble. it was marble, not glass. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, I certainly uh, appreciate you sharing Nancy Pelosi with us uh, during this Women's History Month. And, um, you know, obviously I remember her standing up at the table. They're pointing her finger at that uh, ex-president uh, who I really don't want to, you know, mention the name since we're moving forward. But uh, what a, a, a just a staple in the uh, Congress. She's been there for well over 30 years. My goodness. So thank you for sharing that with us. And when we have a next chance to fellowship, we're going to talk about prevention and we're going okay. to talk a little bit about more what we're doing in the community. So um, audience, thank you so much. Again, I, my name is Carville Jones and on behalf of our chair, Mr. Gregory P. Garland and uh, Dr. Pastor William Reveille, uh, thanks for joining us.